0: put your scared hand into Christ's scarred hand, it transcends amputations and all these other things, and we can trust Him with these things, knowing that He's going to bring this to a place uh, of something extraordinary, but it's going to be a dark road for us.
1: Join us now for First Person, a weekly conversation with an interesting guest. I'm Wayne Shepherd. This week, we'll be encouraging caregivers everywhere as we talk with Peter Rosenberger of Caregivers with Hope. Our partner in providing support to this weekly program is the Far East Broadcasting Company. FEBC faithfully introduces people to Christ and disciples them in the Word. And I hope you'll take the time to learn more about FEBC and ways it proclaims the gospel in many lands through radio at our website, firstpersoninterview.com. While you're at the site, please take time to view our upcoming schedule and the audio archive of past programs. It's all at FirstPersonInterview.com. And in addition to the online archive, you can access First Person as a podcast through iTunes and through our app for smartphones and tablets. To leave comments, use our Facebook page, Facebook.com slash FirstPersonInterview. Peter Rosenberger will tell you his story today. Peter has been a caregiver for many years, taking care of his wife, and is the founder of Caregivers with Hope to Encourage Others.
0: I met my wife, Gracie, when we were in college. She had returned from recuperating uh, following a terrible car accident. I didn't know her at the time of the wreck, and and friends of ours had set us up and said, you guys need to meet each other. And, and sure enough, when I met her, I, I was just captivated by this woman, beautiful young woman, incredibly courageous. She had a limp and she had some scars, particularly on her lower legs. And, and yet I saw this courage and beauty and, and life about this woman that was just intoxicating. And I knew I was going to spend the rest of my life with her. I mean, I knew that from, from day one. And, and I didn't know what that would mean though, to take care of somebody who had been hurt. And she had bounced back pretty well. And you know, She was young and and very, very healthy before her wreck, and so she had pushed herself really hard, but the damage was done. She had her 21st surgery the summer we got married, and and then I uh, took on the helm of this medical nightmare that has mushroomed up to now 78 surgeries. She gave up both of her legs in the 90s. She um, has been treated by more than 60 different specialists in 12 different hospitals, seven different insurance companies, and more than $9 million in medical bills. Wow. And, and Gracie and I have forged uh, a life together through some pretty, pretty rough waters, hmm. and they continue to go. I mean, this is not over. She has had several procedures in the last month, and she has more things scheduled.
1: Well, Peter, she has been through so much, and you've been through it with her, but how's her spirit? How's her attitude about all of this?
0: Well, she's a r- remarkable woman. This is what I saw when I first met her. I mean, this is the strongest woman I've ever met, and... I, the strongest individual I've ever met. She is, I tell, tell her she's like a Timex. She takes a lick and keeps <laughs> on ticking. And she is, um, uh, has a zest for life that is unquenchable. I mean, she learned how to snow ski as a double amputee. Hmm. Um, she and I launched a prosthetic limb outreach to amputees in West Africa. She wanted to put limbs on her fellow amputees. I mean, this is a woman who has an enormous passion for serving uh, others, serving the Lord, serving her family. And, and wants to live life to the absolute fullest that she can do.
1: Mm-hmm. And she, tell me about your family.
0: Well, we have two sons, and they're older now. Uh, one's 28, and the other is uh, 24, and, uh, in fact, we just had our first grandchild, uh, <laughs> Congratulations! which is, which is real, well, thank you. It's really exciting. And, uh, I told my oldest son, I said, if I'd known how special grandchildren are, <laughs> I'd have them first, <laughs> but, uh, but, no, I, I, our boys are amazing sons. They have cared for their mother. They have carried their mother. I've watched them both carry her on their backs. Hmm. Um, they have been, uh, very attentive to her, uh, since, since they were toddlers. Uh, I remember our, our youngest. Uh, with, you know well both of them have both fetched her prosthetic legs at time and brought them to an help and her get her legs on mm-hmm. and go out and, and and live life you know with them and so uh, I think their proudest moment of their mom was probably when we skied together as a family oh. um and and then uh, also when she sang uh, for president george w bush um and they were there with the president uh that was they they were they were pretty proud of their mom for that one as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Peter, I know the Lord's at the center of all this, but how how has your marriage survived? A lot of marriages struggle when this is the case, and you guys seem to thrive. What What's going on there?
0: Well, we've been raised by a pack of therapists, you know, and <laughs> I, I, uh, we, we, in fact, I, I will tell you this, Wayne, this is really, this is the truth, and I don't know if I had anything to do with it, but of the people that have counseled us over here, we've had at least Two therapists have gotten divorced, and a couple of pastors have left the ministry. But I don't know that we're responsible for that. No, I don't no. think you can blame that on us. No. But, but, but that <laughs> really did happen. <laughs> but, you know, we, we have, um, we've had brutal, brutal things in our relationship. I had my own train wreck and, and descended into uh, uh, moral failures. Uh, and we've we dealt with that, and, and we've we've hammered out some hard, hard realities in our life together. And I think at the core of it is just two people who are really quite taken with each other. Hmm. Um, and I, I, I look at my wife, and, and I see an extraordinary individual who's worthy of loving. I tell her she's easy to love. She's just hard to love well hmm. because it takes more out of you than you're prepared for. Mm-hmm. And this is the challenge for caregivers. It, we, we think we can come to the rescue of somebody who is hurting, and we realize at some point this thing, that it's taking more out of us than we got. And and that's what it, it did to me and, it took me, and I went down to some dark places because I didn't understand my role in a healthy manner, that I'm a steward, I'm not her savior. And, and this is an important thing to realize in any marriage, is that we're not there to rescue that other person or save them, we're there to just... Care for them to the best of our abilities and love them without expecting anything. And see, I think that's another thing that tripped me up a lot is that you—it's hard to love from yourself without expecting something. Mm-hmm. And and when you expect something from someone who may not be able to give it, uh, and most people can't give, you know, any to meet any of our expectations. But in, in a disability type situation, there's going to be some even stronger limitations. And then that that starts building up to resentment, and then resentment takes you down to some dark places. And so what we've had to come back and do is anchor ourselves in the reality of Christ's love for us. And what if I tap into the inexhaustible love of God, that it frees me up to love, Gracie, without demanding something in return. Mm -hmm. And. That's what's helped set the tone for, for all of what we've dealt with. And, uh, but, you know, we didn't come through this thing unscathed, and, and, and we didn't get here just because we're such wonderful, noble, loving people. We got here through crawling through a, a minefield but, but hanging on to the cross.
1: Yeah. Wow, that's very powerful, Peter. Uh, in the day-to-day care, I mean, what, what's been the most difficult thing to deal with?
0: I go back to this. The, the, the hardest thing for me as a caregiver, this is 30 years talking, is to learn what is mine to carry and what is not mine to carry. You know, it's not giving injections. I gave an injection to her this morning. It's not having to do all the task of caregiving. I mean, that's a pain, and it's it's just part of it. Uh, laundry is a big part of being a caregiver. Uh, you know, it, it, you got you got to do a lot of laundry. But but the, at the end of the day, the hard part is knowing what is mine to carry and what is not mine. I didn't do this to my wife. I can't undo it. And she is in considerable pain. I mean, real, no kidding pain. I mean, Wayne, I've seen the x-rays. I've seen the MRIs. I've been around enough to know this is serious pain she deals with from multiple broken bones and all these surgeries and everything else. And, and I can't undo that. And it's frustrating to me as a caregiver to not be able to fix something like this or to address it and to watch somebody I love suffer. And that, that tends to well up some pretty dark feelings. And you have to constantly put your scared hand into Christ's scarred hand and to recognize that, you know what, what he did on the cross was so significant So significant, it transcends amputation, broken bodies, and all these other things, and we can trust him with these things knowing that he's going to bring this to a place uh, of something extraordinary, but it's going to be a dark road for us for for a season or maybe a life.
1: I know your focus is on Gracie, but you've accomplished so much else. And we'll talk about uh, what you're doing to help other caregivers in a few minutes. But I want to focus on you for a moment. What do you do to protect your own relationship with the Lord and your own a quiet life that you need to find some uh, some some rest sometimes?
0: I have learned that if I do not take time for stillness, I'm going to have to make time for illness. And it is so important for me to be settled in my own heart. Uh, it, it, I am a better caregiver when I'm healthy. I mean, that's just the bottom line. I love her better when I'm in a healthy place. And I can't be healthy if I'm frantic and frenetic all the time. And so I I go and sit and spend an hour at the piano just just pouring out my soul. It unties the, the knots in my soul. I, I'll go to martial arts, and I will I'll work out and, and come home sweating and usually limping, but that's okay. <laughs> that's good for me, and and I, I do things to push myself to be a healthy, whole person. Um, if I'm not healthy emotionally, physically, fiscally, professionally, spiritually, then I'm compromising her health because I'm the person standing between her and her and even further disaster. So in order for me to care for her well, I've got to be the best steward of the best resource she has, which is me. And, And so that means I've got to take time to do the things that are necessary for me to be healthy.
1: Peter Rosenberger of Caregivers with Hope is our guest. We'll continue in just a moment here on First Person. This weekly program is produced in cooperation with the Far East Broadcasting Company. Together, we are committed to telling the stories of Christ at work in the nations of the world. FEBC broadcasts the gospel in nearly 50 of those countries, reaching people in over 100 languages, introducing them to God's love and discipling them through God's Word. To learn more about FEBC and its broadcasts, please visit FirstPersonInterview.com and click the banner FEBC. That's FirstPersonInterview.com. My guest today is Peter Rosenberger. Peter is the founder of Caregivers with Hope. And, uh, of course, caring for his own wife, uh, Gracie, as we've learned here today. What a powerful testimony this couple has. And, Peter, I want to talk now about uh, this organization. When did this come into your mind that what you've, you're going through is something that other people are going through and maybe you need to help each other?
0: Well, I had some friends of mine that came to me about four five, six years ago, and they said, you have developed a skill set. Uh, and a knowledge base about dealing with caregiving issues that other people need to hear. And I didn't really think about it too much. I just was just doing it. I was just taking care of my wife. And and a lot of caregivers... Are like that. We don't really consider ourselves caregivers. In fact, I did a thing with Jeff Foxworthy for AARP a while back called, You Might Be a Caregiver If. Yeah, I saw that. That's great. If you have a professional carpet cleaner on retainer, you're probably a caregiver, you know? (laughs) And it's really funny. And I wanted to do it in a lighthearted way to show people, okay, here's the reality of being a caregiver. Well, I thought, okay, well, I started writing down some things that would be helpful to people. And before long, all of a sudden, people were calling up and asking more, and I was speaking at places, and then they wanted me to do a radio show, and, and, I, and I put a new book out called Hope for the Caregiver. And then I've launched this this whole outreach of Caregivers with Hope to let people know that there is a path towards some sanity in this thing. Uh, now, Caregivers with Hope and, and, and the book and, and the radio show and everything, it's not about hearts and rainbows and unicorns. It's it's practical tools of what you can do today to start walking back from the cliff that we caregivers can live a calmer, healthier, and Wayne dare I even say it, a more joyful life, mm-hmm. even while looking at grim realities. And I don't think we can, not only can we do it, I think we must do it, uh, because we actually love this loved one better if we are in that place. Of being uh, healthy, calm, and even joyful. And and you don't have to be miserable in anything. You're you're as happy or as miserable as you want to be. You know, you can be joyful in the midst of some real heartbreak. And I found that you can even laugh even while you still got tears on your cheeks. That's right. And and I and I cultivate that in my own life. I mean, I, I watch funny movies, I, I listen to a lot of comedians, and, and I, I think funny thoughts, and I, I I try to keep laughter as a big part of my life, and that's how we've made it through a lot of these things. I mean, I'm pretty goofy, and we're goofy <laughs> on the show, and I and I remember when I started doing the show, Jeff told me, Jeff Fox would have told me, he said, Peter, make them laugh. You know more than most the heartache that's in that these people care, yeah. so help them have that pressure valve relief, and so that's what I do, and we have a great time doing it, and I speak to uh, churches i speak to organizations i speak to uh, counselors and so forth and i'm on a mission to equip my fellow caregivers with the tools to help them live a calmer saner healthier and even more joyful life and also to people that that are marketing products and services to these caregivers i want to show them how to connect them what does that mean to talk to a caregiver i speak fluent caregiver <laughs> you know so i want to make sure that people know how to help a caregiver uh, that's so important because a lot of people don't know what to say to the person pushing the wheelchair.
1: Yeah, but well, I do. Well, talk more about what you can do to help these these dear people. That you know, sometimes you got to feel pretty lonely out there taking care of someone like that.
0: It is a incredibly lonely journey, and and one of the things that caregivers struggle with is isolation. And and so I help people push back against that. And and the other thing is, I want people to know how to speak to a caregiver. So when you go to a caregiver, don't don't say something like. Hey, let me know if there's something I can do. Well, now i got to think of something for you to do. Right. And then i got to work up the courage right. for you to do it, and uh, to ask you to do it. And then i got to hope that you'll want to do it. And then if you mess it up, I'm going to have to probably clean it up. Or if you stop doing it, I'm going to have, you know, that's not the way to do it.
1: I've, I've seen that happen. So what's the alternative?
0: Well, you're at the grocery store and you say, hey, look, I'm over here at the grocery store. Can I bring you a gallon of milk? Man, that saves me a trip to the store. Absolutely. Or hey, I know a guy that cleans gutters. He does it for me. Can I send him over to your house and get your gutters clean? I mean, how many people think it's a good idea for a caregiver to be on the roof? You know, and and or when's the last time you saw your doctor? Seventy-two percent of caregivers don't see their own doctor. Hmm. They said, well, I don't have anybody sit. Well, can I sit with your loved one while you go to your doctor's appointment? Or if they need a, a you know specialized care, can we subsidize that care for you to go? Your doctor, what and so we have a, a nurse or somebody
1: can sit with your loved one.
0: That's a great thing for the church to do, like the mercy ministry of a church or something. Don't send a check, send a service.
1: Yeah. Hey, let's talk about the emotions of the caregiver. And I realize we're focusing on the caregiver and, and not the person who may be disabled here, but uh, listeners understand that that's our focus and that's what we're, who we're trying to help here today. What, what are some of the emotions that a caregiver feels?
0: Fear, obligation, and guilt. The fog. Um. And, and every caregiver deals with this.
1: All right, talk and, about and it, fear.
0: They're, they're crippling. Well, we live, we, we, we indulge in the wreckage of our future. You know, uh, we, we are so worried about what's going to happen, what's going to happen. Well, a lot of things never do happen. And even if they are fear worthy, there's really nothing we can do about that at this point. We're going to have to just deal with today as it is. You know, Nowhere in Scripture does it talk about a guy taking care of his wife through 78 surgeries and multiple amputations and so forth. But there's a lot of stuff in Scripture about uh, being afraid. And God says to us, fear not, fear not, be still, it's going to be okay, fear not. He knows we're scared, and he assures us with his presence. Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Well, that valley of the shadow of death can be a really long valley sometimes. But the promise still applies. And we, we can trust in him straight for today, bright hope for tomorrow, and realize that if he's Lord at all, well, then he's Lord of all. And I can rest in that knowing that even in this craziness that I'm looking at while Gracie's going into a seizure or where she's groaning in pain, that I can weep before the Lord, but know that I'm not weeping alone, that his promises do apply, and that he will sustain us through these things. And he does.
1: Hmm. You mentioned the acronym FOG, F-O-G, Fear, Obligation, Guilt. What about obligation?
0: Obligation is a petri dish for resentment. I mean, and here's how you tell if you're dealing with obligation. I got to do this. I need to do this. I should have been doing this. And you feel obligated to do it. You don't want to feel obligated all the time. You don't want, think about if somebody was feeling obligated to care for you or to love you, then you wouldn't like that either. No. You know, replace that obligation with, instead of, I got to do this, it's stewardship, it's stewardship. I don't own this. I didn't do this to my wife. I didn't cause this. I am a steward of it. God has placed me here for a specific reason, and that is to care for her to the best of my abilities and trust Him with the things that I have no control over. And knowing that I do the best that I can, and that He gives me the strength to make amends for when I screw up, not if I screw up, but when I screw up. And and, and that takes you down to guilt. I'm not talking about guilt over big-time sins that get great press. I'm just talking about guilt because I can jump into the shower and stand up in the shower, and she can't. I'm, I'm not in pain. She is. I want to take a break and watch a show on television, and, and I, I, I feel guilty if I just take a break. Mm. Well, that kind of guilt paralyzes people, and we need to speak grace to those. I need grace so much in my life, Wayne. I married a woman named Grace. <laughs> we got to speak grace to those things and realize, you know what? We can't fix this. Yeah. And we're not helping them if we burn ourselves out to a husk, and then we stroke out. Hmm. Then it's a two-for-one deal. If I go down, what happens to my wife?
1: Peter, the people who have found some help through Caregivers with Hope, what are they saying back to you? What, what kind of feedback do you get?
0: I think the most common feedback I get is I never realized how much I was isolated. And I'm, you, it's like you could read my mind. You're, you're talking about the things that I speak about late at night when I'm talking to the ceiling fan you know and, and those deep intercess I mean deep places of the heart for a caregiver and and so the feedback is they feel connected and somebody hears their cry somebody sees their pain, somebody sees their heartache and I do and I understand it. I understand it in ways that most people will never understand. And, and so what I want to do is not just see it and understand it, Validate it, yes, but then show them how they can walk healthy in it, and they do. The practical tools I give them, you know, that the flashpoints of caregiving uh, are, are emotional heartache, <laughs> not giving injections or changing adult diapers and things like that. Those are, But the hard part of the caregiver is the relationship dynamics, the relationship with the caregiver, with the, with the patient, the relationship with family members who help or don't help in the way we want them to, the relationship with ourselves, the relationship with God.
1: People listening today may not be a primary caregiver, but no doubt they know someone who is. What's the best thing we can do to reach out to someone who is a caregiver?
0: You know, don't struggle with what to say to them. Put 30 years of experience into their hands. Stammer and stutter over it. Put them in touch with somebody who understands the, the, the heartache that they carry in ways they may not have processed yet. And we know what to say at Caregivers with Hope. We really do know what to say. We know how to guide them through this process. And, and I think the first thing you could say to a caregiver is look them in the eyes and say, I see you, and I see the heartache that you're carrying, and my heart hurts for you. If we can do that, then what you're doing is you're addressing that loss of identity they have. They get lost in someone else's story. And so we need to affirm who they are as an individual and just tell them that you see them and be gentle about it. The greatest gift someone ever gave me, Wayne, was one time I was going back and forth to the hospital and I stopped off at some friends' bar's house to pick up something for Gracie. And they had a bowl of soup and some cornbread. And they said, your kids are fine. Gracie's at the hospital. She's fine. You sit right here. We're going to stand guard. This is a safe place for you to have a quiet meal and just be still. And I thought, you know, and I get choked up just thinking about that. That was a great gift that they gave me. They cared for me in the best way they knew how, and it was meaningful. And it doesn't require opulence. It just requires sincerity and authenticity.
1: You'll find additional information about today's guest, Peter Rosenberger, and Caregivers with Hope on our website, firstpersoninterview.com. And to listen to an interview you may have missed here on the program, please visit FirstPersonInterview.com and click on the archive for the long list of conversations available. And then, to leave a comment on what you hear, please go to Facebook.com slash FirstPersonInterview. That's Facebook.com slash FirstPersonInterview. This program is produced with the support of the Far East Broadcasting Company. Two young men named Bob Bowman and John Broger established FEBC in 1945 with one goal in mind— to broadcast Christ to the world. Today, FEBC's programs are heard on AM and FM stations worldwide, as well as by shortwave satellite and the internet. Always broadcasting in local languages, FEBC last year heard from over two million listeners who responded to the gospel teaching. If you'd like to learn more about the Far East Broadcasting Company and how you can be involved, please visit FirstPersonInterview.com. Now with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd, Join us next time for First Person.